0: I'm not a runner, never have been, and never, ever will be. But some of you are. So you might know more about this topic than I do, especially if you're a long-distance runner. Any long-distance runners in here today? Half marathon, marathon? See, there are only a few of you, just so we're clear. Like, who's the crazy ones? (laughs) All kidding aside, I know a lot of people who love running. Uh, they, They enjoy it. There's something called a runner's high. There's something about a race and an accomplishment of a half marathon and a marathon. that a lot of people will just try and check that box once in their life because it's hard. And not everyone does it. Can't train for it, don't want to train for it. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And here's one thing that I've learned as I've seen people run. My wife ran a half marathon once. And I've heard a lot about when I watch marathon races on TV and Olympics and otherwise, That most people probably have heard as well. That for any person who's run that length, no matter how well you've trained, no matter how well you've hydrated, no matter how good a job you did at carb loading before the race, if you run and run a lot, there will come a point in your running uh, life where you run one of those races and as much as you've done to be prepared, you hit the proverbial wall. Like long-distance runners understand the reality of the wall. Like, there's a fancy name for it in running circles, but the wall is what you hit when after a long, in a long-distance race, and yet still a long ways away from the end, all of a sudden your legs go to jelly, like you can barely stand, and you can't put one in front of the other because they feel like they weigh eight tons. The wall. <laughs> and people tell you you should be ready for it. People tell you you can somewhat mentally prepare for it, but, but in that moment, what makes it hard as most people would tell you, it happens about three quarters into the race, about a quarter left in the race. A lot of times it happens about mile 18 of a marathon. And do the math, 26.2 minus 18 equals 8.2 miles left. Like, I'm just telling you, I ran a couple 5Ks here at 922 Ministries and the finish line was a lot closer and I almost quit like 10 times along the way. Like, from the shin splints I experienced at the end of that day, I had to preach the next morning, I barely could stand. I think my wife had to help me get out of bed. Like, the wall is real and when you hit it, it's usually long before you can see the line up in front of you. Like, if you get to the last mile of a race like that and you know the finish line isn't that far away, the crowds are getting bigger close to the end, there's a few people of your family and friends cheering you along, like, you can almost see it off in the distance if it's a straight enough shot, like, you can get there. But at mile 18, when there's hills and curves and no one along the sidelines, it's hard. And it's easy to lose hope. Like there's a whole lot of things you could do if you feel like you're hitting the wall to slow down, to hydrate as much as possible. Experts tell you mentally prepare for it in advance. Like visualize the finish line, maybe remember why you're doing it. Like a lot of people run a race like that for someone, for a cause. Like some people say even write their names on the bib that you're wearing so you can see it to get you to the finish line because the wall is real and it'd be easy to quit. And with that in mind, I want you to think about what the Bible oftentimes refers to as a race, our journey from point A to point B, from, from birth to death, Living in the here and now, waiting for the promised land. It is like a race, the Apostle Paul says. And it's not a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. It's a long journey. And along their way, there will be obstacles, there will be challenges, things that will entangle you, things that will trip you up, things that will cause you to be paralyzed, literally spiritually or emotionally, like hitting the wall. Jelly legs, can't move, quicksand moments. And all the promises we've heard up to this point Help from point A to point B. But sometimes, along the way from point A to point B, there's a point where we hit a wall, that wall, those moments where it appears that all hope is lost. And maybe just maybe, like a marathon runner, you wonder, can I make it to the finish line when there's seemingly no end in sight? That's the struggle I want you to have in mind today. Like when you get to that point, when, it appears that the finish line is so far off in the future when you don't know if you can make it, how you're going to make it, what to do. Do you know what you and I oftentimes will do? Ask this question. And I think it's important for us to personalize it as well, but I'll let you fill in the blank first. Our struggle that promise number five really addresses is so important to have and to hold on to because There will become times in your life where you will raise this question. I know I have, maybe you have. If you haven't yet, you will. Will this ever end? And first, I want you to personalize it. I want you to write down or mentally write down when you've asked that question and what your this was. God, will this ever end? Maybe your this is the loss of a loved one and the pain that has come from it and you've just hit the wall emotionally, like no more, like just take it away, God. Or or maybe your this is relational, like there's something going on and there's such a big hurt and and you don't see an end in sight, no healing or reconciliation. It's so broken and so bad. Will this ever end? Or maybe for you, it's the diagnosis. Like Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's chronic disease that your body is broken. Like I know people who are in their 30s who get diagnoses from doctors that say, you're going to deal with this every day for the rest of your life and it's going to get slowly but surely worse and it's not going to end your life very soon. Will this ever end? Or maybe it's work-related. Like, what Like, is it maybe that you're going through right now or have gone through that, that, that you saw no end in sight, you, you kept banging your head against a wall, you thought perhaps That was the end, and and it wasn't, and that was the end, and it wasn't, and that was the end, and it wasn't. Like, what's your this? And I I want you to think, as you're thinking of it, how you responded and how you reacted and, and where you were at on the hope meter. Like, have you been around here long enough? I haven't had any real physical this moments, but I've had some work ones being here at 922. There was a time period in our history where it was really hard. My friend was not able to do ministry anymore. It was hard. We fought and we fought and we banged on doors. We hoped doors would open. And sometimes the two of us posed that question Will this ever end? And there were times when we asked it, you know what our response was? Like, I'll be honest with all of you. Like, maybe it's time just to give up. <laughs> like, Melt Truck Monday would be a whole lot better than Preaching Sunday. Those of you who don't understand that, like being a milk truck guy is the greatest job ever. You just deliver the milk and you walk away and you drive your truck. No responsibility. Like, I've been there. And it's not fun. And then there's the world this. Like, we have a collective, will this ever end? If you've watched the news over the course of the last few weeks, month, year, two years, five years, 10 years, if you've been around 70 plus years, you know how many times we ask this question like, will this ever end? Like, this hatred and this fighting and these wars, will it ever end? Terrorism, will it ever end? Sex trafficking, come on it's gotta end like the abuse that that is doled out from people in relationships whether it's marriage whether it's from parent to child whether it's the hurt upon others like will this end like the older I get the the more this and the world and wanting it to end weighs on my head and my heart And that's what is part of the spiritual struggle because we know someone who can. <laughs> right? Like my struggle when I was going through the, this was like, God, you could do something about this. Like the person who's wrestling and struggling with disease that they've been diagnosed with, they know examples of in the Bible where Jesus himself stepped in and healed per- miraculously. It happens, it does. Like, the Bible says he can make wars cease, like God in a snap of a finger can bring down a nation. So why not just stop the whole Israel thing right now? Why not just take out Hamas right now? Whatever it is that you want or think would cause healing. Like, God can, but God doesn't. And so we wrestle with, will this ever end? We hit a wall. We doubt God spiritually. We question God's control. We, we challenge God's omniscience, like all those things are part of this question that's our struggle, and somebody down the road, the odds are good that you or me are going to have more of those moments this <laughs> And when we hit the wall, God doesn't want us to give up. when we hit the wall emotionally, God doesn't want us to 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 walk the other direction and and away from him. no, he wants us to get to the finish line, no matter how hard it might be, no matter how far away it might seem. That's the promise today that I pray will make a difference as we tie them all together. And in order to really grasp this promise, uh, God had to allow the Apostle John to see it. Like, seeing is believing, right? Like When it comes to a promise, a promise is something unknown, remember? <laughs> Like, you can't see it. It's off in the distant future. Someone gives you their word, and yet it's out there. You haven't experienced it in person. So you know what God allowed John to do in the book of Revelation? See it. In the book of Revelation, if you want a simple summary, like, if you're a newbie Christian, most of you are really excited about the book of Revelation. It is super confusing. There's a whole lot of things going on. Signs and seals and wars and and beasts and all sorts of images. Can I just give you a little idea of what Revelation is from beginning to end? It's John's glimpse of the New Testament church from the time of Jesus' return to heaven, and it's literally the last book that was written, to the time Jesus will return once again. And all the different sections and all the different parts and all the different visualizations, in the middle of the this and the here and the right now, there's a whole lot of will this ever end. Christians are suffering and struggling. The church is being persecuted. But at the end of all the little sections, two words summarize the book of Revelation. Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus always wins. No matter how bad it is, no matter how many times you wrestle with, will this ever end? At the end, Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, you win, I win, the finish line, the, the medal, all the, the prizes are ours. That's the, the picture. But John, God gave a vision to of that end, that finish line, what it looked like because seeing is believing so that you and I can have the promise and perhaps even visualize it in an amazing way to give comfort to our hearts in a hard world. So here's Revelation 21, four verses. I'm going to unpack them verse by verse for you just so you see it, understand it, and what the promise is and why the promise matters. And then today, as I wrap up, I want to give you a a summary statement of all the promises and a how to better maybe hold on to them like in a world filled with trouble where we oftentimes panic, where there's a whole lot to be afraid of. God wants you to be flowing with faith and overflowing with peace. So here's what God allowed John to see about what awaits, about the finish line. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. (laughs) Funny statement from someone in the first service. I don't know if this is true or not, they applied this and said, just so you know, in heaven there is no beach. I don't buy that. We can have man-made pools. It's just fine by me. Um, Just kidding. Like what God allowed John to see was basically a visual of what will be. John, who had knowledge of the Bible, understood one chapter right before the end of the Bible, Revelation 21, there's only 22 chapters in it. God allows him to see a vision of what will be, which takes us back to what was created at the beginning. A new earth, right? God created the heavens and the earth. When God spoke the words, it all came into being. When God had spent six days creating on the seventh day, he rested. At the end of all of it, what did God say? He looked at all of it and it was, you gotta wake up, people. Like, there's hunters who got up at five o'clock this morning. It's <laughs> like 9.35. Like, you're awake, so are they. God saw that he made and it was? Good. Earth was Good. Like, in the beginning, when God created, earth was good. Genesis chapter 3. And as much as when God looked at it and said, earth, we live in it now and it's earth. We're going to celebrate a lot of amazing things about earth this week. Like the food on our table, the people sitting around it. Like time off from work. Amen? But, but even this week, when there's a whole lot about earth that's good, there's, there's a whole lot about earth that's not. Like for some people, this, these holidays will be the first one where that seat is no longer sat in by that person. Earth. Some people won't be able to make it because earth means sickness and disease. Earth means broken relationships, like Like, I love earth for many things. But there's a lot of times when earth is filled with a whole lot of this. And that's why what John saw is so important. What God made new at the beginning, what Adam and Eve's sin and and sin has continued to do has brought down, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. Earth. Like, that's what God allowed John to see. And I want you to imagine what John saw. He didn't just describe this God creation of new heaven and new earth. He gives you and I a visual of how important this promise is to hold on to and why it's so important to hold on to and push through the wall when you hit it and get to the finish line and not waver in your faith. Here's what that new heaven and new earth looked like. I saw the holy city When everything God made was perfect, it was without sin. This new place, there will be no sin. It will be perfect and holy. The new Jerusalem. Jerusalem is symbolic of the presence of God, the the place of God, the dwelling of God, like his covenant that stayed in Jerusalem, the place where God's worship was done for for thousands of of years. Like the new Jerusalem is a representation of the, the, the place that God lives and God dwells coming down out of heaven from God. It's his creation prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Like, here's the visual of this new earth. So great. How many of you guys who are married have stood up here or in a church like it before waiting for your bride? Like, There's a lot of hunters. Husband's gone today. So there's a few husbands. Like, I see you. I want you to remember this moment. Like when your wife turned the corner with her dad. Did you go, eh, Like, if you would have, because I've stood alongside a bunch of grooms, I would have kicked your, you know what, out the back door. And I would have said to that lady, sorry, don't do it. Not the guy. No. Like, most grooms stand up here next to me and I tell them, when your bride starts coming down, move. They're paralyzed. (laughs) Like, I have to nudge them in the back, like, now, go down. It's okay. Like, they're, wow. (laughs) Wow. For some, it's a smile from ear to ear. For others, it's tears flowing down. But to a person, it's, I've never seen someone so beautiful. It's your person on your day, and they look that great. Like, we sometimes think this earth is great. What John was allowed to see, the new heaven and the new earth that God will bring, will be wow. Like seeing God will, will cause your jaw to drop. It's why I love the Christian song, I Can Only Imagine. Maybe it's resonated with you. It's been around for a long time. Like what will it be like? Will I dance? Will I weep? Will I sing? I don't know, but it'll be wow. <laughs> like there can be some wow moments, Earth, but there's a whole lot of will this end moments too. And God wants you to know it will and how great it will be. And then he says this about that, like what that will be like. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Cause so John got to see it. So he got to understood, understand what the promise would be. God allowed him to, to visualize the future uh, and, and, and what it would look like. But then he also revealed to him through word what it would be like. God's dwelling place is now among them. Look, like God's people literally once again are dwelling with God back in the garden before sin entered the world. Remember the verses that, and God walked amongst the garden with Adam and Eve, like God and Adam and Eve did life together. And now because of sin, we don't get to do life with God. He, He kicked them out of his presence. But when this happens, when he brings it all to an end, when he calls you home to heaven, God will live with you and dwell with you. He will be right there, literally with you. He'll be their God and they will be his people. He will be with them and be their God. You know, sometimes God says over and over again, some things like he wants you to know, you, me, we're gonna do life together. We're gonna be together in heaven. Like, when will this end? Hold on because this will begin. He will wipe away, and this is a beautiful part, every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So many of the when will this end moments of this life are about those things, right? I lose someone I love. Death ends it. It will never happen there. Sadly, it happens here. There is pain this side of heaven from disease, from loss, from broken relationships. There will be no pain there. It, it, it won't ever be where you will ask, when will this end? You will only say, how long will this go on? And God will say, it will never end. The old order of things has passed away. It has died. It is deceased. There will come a day when God returns in glory and he will create a new heavens and a new earth. Or God in his goodness one day will come back and take you to be with him in heaven and and this will end. Understand what God is telling you in these words he will address it. He promises that he will. So don't lose hope and don't lose heart. When you hit the wall spiritually, don't doubt. Don't run away. Don't stop. Fight through. And hold on to this promise of God by holding on to the other promises of God. Like, how do I get through the wall? I am with you. Write it on your number as you run in the race. How can I do it? You can do all things through me. I give you the strength. How do I not lose hope? Remember that there's help. All the promises of God help us on this journey to get from this, beyond this, to this. And just so John wouldn't miss it, God had to repeat it one more time. He said this in verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. It's my promise. I'm making everything new. Whatever your this is, you will not experience it for eternity. Whatever your this is, I will help you get through it. But I need you to make it to the end. I want you to make it to the end. I'll help you make it to the end. Because everything new will be so beautiful and and so great. He said, "Write write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. See, God is a promise for you and for me. Like when we're wrestling with attention, like the Apostle Paul wrestled with attention in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he pleaded three times for God to take it away. Like if any of you have ever had chronic pain, you pleaded with God to take it away, you hoped that God would take it away. You're no different than the Apostle Paul who pleaded for his ailment, that was slowing him down, that was like hitting the wall. He couldn't do everything he wanted to do. He pleaded for God to take it away. God said no.:. <laughs> My power is made perfect in your weakness. The Apostle Paul, your journey won't be as easy. Getting to the end might take longer and it might go slower and it might be more difficult, but, but on that journey, I want you to remember and hold on to the ultimate promise. My grace is sufficient for you. Like at the end of the day, the thing that matters, the only thing that matters, as long as you have it and know it and, and hold on to it by, by grace through faith, you get the ultimate reward of everything new. See, God's promise to you and to me, no matter what your this is, he will end this. Like, it might be personally for you that you will never see it this side of heaven. I wish I could tell you otherwise. Like, for those of you who are are struggling with that chronic disease, I wish and you probably do too, that just for one day, you could have a day where that didn't exist. I, I wish. But I need you to not give up along the way and, and lose hope along the way and hit the wall and, and stop going that way to the promised land. Hear God, he will end this. He'll end your pain because there'll be a place where it is no more. And right now, if you're struggling with the emotional loss of, that come from someone you love, that grief, that mourning, that pain, it will end one day. It might get less day by day, but it'll end on that day when when God reunites you with that person around his throne and all who believe God will end this. He will end war and he'll end abuse, and he will end every last thing about this world that's so filled with sin because there will be no sin there. Like God designed a perfect world. Sin has broken that perfect world, and God has a plan and a promise. I will end it and make everything new. And that's the what. And it's all that it is, and it's such an amazing promise, but it's, I don't think it's enough for today, for for me to just say that to you to help you get through the wall when it hits, when your next this comes. So how do you get prepared for the this? Like a runner who doesn't want to hit the wall, how do we get prepared spiritually, emotionally to to live in light of that promise and to hold on to it when the this of the the life that we live causes us to forget the that that God longs to give us that awaits? i want to give you two verses. Here's one of them. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. King David, you know, King David was, was inspired by God to write this question. There's one thing, if, I, if God asks me, what's the one thing you want from me? The one thing you're seeking. And sandwiched around it are, are, are perhaps the worst two life situations one could experience, as bad as it could get. So the this moments of this life, the first one for David was related to his, his job as king. Like when the evil nation surrounds me, when, when armies are surrounding my city, like that's about as bad as it gets for a king. You know Why? Because you know what most foreign enemies did to a king to make a statement to the people? Like if they surrounded the city and got into the city and captured the city, they'd take the king, they would take his head, and they would put it on a stick. Like that was the way they proved. Like David knew how bad that could be. And on the other side of it is sandwich this, though father and mother forsake me, like relationally, the worst thing someone could imagine is mom or dad, the people who are... Are supposed to love and care for, turning their back on you. King David says, Those two things, no matter if they were to happen, the one thing I want, the thing that holds me together, the thing that helps me get through the this of any of those moments, is what I look forward to there, the new heaven and the new earth, dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And it wasn't just a look ahead to that. Right now, in the here of this earth, King David could dwell in God's house, could spend time with God, could gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. You know what they say about things that are beautiful? Like when you see something beautiful, it's one of the few things in this life that takes your focus off of yourself. (laughs) Like we are self-absorbed, selfish people. It's about us in the this of this moment. But when I see a beautiful sunset, you know who I'm not thinking about? Pastor Tim and all his problems. You know what I'm not thinking about? My kids and their stuff. Like, something beautiful takes you off of you and puts you on it. And that could be a song, that could be a picture, that could be anything and everything this side of heaven, but life-changing, game-changing, to getting from point A to point B when we hit the wall to prepare properly for when we do Gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Like to gaze is to more than glance. Like gazing is long and not being able to take your eyes off of. When you read God's word, and I pray you do every day, if you don't have a girl where you're in the word for a few minutes a day, you're missing out on something. But can I convince you that just checking the box is not going to help you as much when you hit the wall? Can I convince you to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? Like, take smaller sections when you find a verse that says something amazing about God. Stop and pause and thank God for all that He's done for you in Jesus. Thank God for all that He's done for you spiritually. Thank God for the gifts that He's given to you as a result. Like, if you want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, then just spend some time thinking about the cross and gazing on it. What the world says is foolishness, it's so beautiful the Son of God came down, gave up his life so that you and I might have life. And when it all appeared its darkest and all hope was lost for those disciples, gaze on the beauty of what Easter means for you, that he came back to life. New life is yours because he lives, you too will live. Gaze on that. Maybe every once in a while when you come into church, like talk to your friends, have fun. Maybe spend a few minutes just, look in here. Like gaze at this thing. Might not be the one you were baptized at, but here in the waters of baptism, God the Holy Spirit gave you new life, forgave your sins, connected you to God, made you his child, you belong to him, and one day we'll get to experience that new heaven and new earth. When you celebrate the supper next time here at St. Peter, our downtown campus, the core, like literally gaze on the beauty of a God who gives you his very body and blood so that you can leave this place going, I am forgiven, redeemed child of God. Like gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Dig into his word. Celebrate his amazing love. Read a psalm a day or maybe through Christmas we're going to t- focus on the gospel of John. Like read a chapter of John a day. I guarantee you, you can't go a chapter of John without finding something great about God to gaze on. Because when you're gazing on God and his beauty, you're taking it off of you and the this of this world and putting it on him and the that of his promise. I'll end it. Which the Apostle Paul knew. Like earlier in 2 Corinthians, before he had his pleading moments, he said this, therefore we do not lose heart. Like, we can hit the wall, but we do not lose heart. We can ask the question, when will this end, and be overwhelmed, but we will not lose heart. Inwardly, we might be, outwardly, we might be wasting away. This life is hard. Our bodies are broken. This earth is not all it's cracked up to be. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. What you don't see is what God is doing as you gaze on his beauty, how God is renewing you and can use it for good. For our light and momentary troubles, I know it's big and the this is real. But they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What awaits us in this earth, the new heaven and the new earth, far outweighs anything that this world has to offer and far outweighs all the, all the this thing holding holding you back. and, and, and you. So, we, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Like John's promise, he got to see it. You and I don't get to see it. Fix your eyes on what John tells you, awaits you. Fix your eyes on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My good friend Jay knew that. Like Jay's a pastor friend of mine. He's a coach in the coaching network with me. He played football with me at Northwestern. He was two years younger than me. He went to high school with my my wife at uh, Northwestern Prep back in the day. And just a few short months ago, his daughter Susanna died of Rohde disease. She was diagnosed with it at about two, and it crippled her life for the last 18 years. Like it's a crippling disease. Like this side of heaven, because of that disease, she experienced more time in hospitals than anyone experienced, many people experienced in their lifetime if they lived to 80 or 90. She could never really play or run or jump like kids love to do. Never. She had other issues as well. Like her life was hard. I would have to imagine in over 18 years, there were times when when Jay and his wife Jess and their family and their friends said, Lord, will this end? Will this ever end? And Susanna probably did too. And a few months ago, it did. Like, I couldn't begin to imagine. Like, they're this and it ending pales in comparison to anything I've experienced. And while Jay didn't do the funeral, he stood up after the funeral and said a few things about his daughter. Like his daughter, who are one of the consequences of that disease, could never shed a tear this side of heaven. That as she took her final breath, as they sang songs around her and her mom held on to God's promises, a little tear came out of her eye. As he was speaking to, to God's people in his church, he quoted Revelation 21. Like she may have shed a tear in her final moments here, but she will never shed one again. She will run and jump and play (laughs) because the old order of things has passed away. Like for them, that picture and God's promise that he will end this was the be all, end all, hold on to it to get through this. Brothers and sisters, there will be times when we experience this. But remember, it is a part of the earth. And what God has in store for is the earth, a new one. Which will be so amazing. Until then, keep your eyes focused up. Gaze upon his beauty. And remember his promises. Like if you want to put them all together and this journey from point A to point B and the ultimate promised land, remember this about God. God will use this for your spiritual good. He, he promises to, Romans 8. And you can do this, Philippians 4:13, through Christ and His strength. Until God ends this, Revelation 21, he, he, he promises he will do it because God is here. He is here with us always, Matthew chapter 28. And God will help us. That's the promised land. Hold on to them till that day you reach the promised land. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for grace and love and mercy. Like sometimes in our this moment, it's so hard because the end is so far. Sometimes it's easy to give up. Sometimes it's easy to lose hope. The devil longs for us to to go the other direction and away from you. So, Lord, help us see this promise. Hold on to this promise. Gaze upon the beauty of who you are to bring us to that finish line and the ultimate destination, the promised land. Lord, we thank you for your promises. It's in this life with these this moments that we need to hear that.